Welcome back to Real Talk Torah, courtesy of the database with Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg. I'm Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg, and you just entered the database. And for today's issue, we're actually going to discuss something that I didn't really plan on discussing. In fact, this entire episode, I just decided to do last night because I couldn't not acknowledge the incredible connection between Parsha HaShavua and Dafiomi. Indeed, it's unbelievable and awesome whenever this kind of thing happens, when the two are connected in such an open manifest way, so we have to acknowledge the Shkacha Pratis. Some people like to say that the, Lublin, the Lubliner strikes again, he was the one responsible for the creation of Dafiomi. but I like to say Kodesh Baruch who strikes again. It's the Shkacha Pratis, the divine kiss Hashem is acknowledging us this week. That is because this week's Parsha, which, which is Parsha Zva'era, and today's Daf, which is Pesachim, Daf Nun Gimel, so we have the Maka of Tzvardea, Maka Tzvardea, the frogs. We find an incredible lesson from the frogs that's acknowledged in this in today's Daf, Daf Yomi again, Psachim Nun Gimel Amid Beis, and what we find in our Parsha, um, one of the seven Makos that makes it into our Parsha. So we have Maka Tzvardea. So that um, we're going to enjoy and milk and acknowledge. Um, in, a, in our episode today, and we're going to actually go over a, a very incredible sugya. Um, it's uh, that um, the Mepharshim, they raise a bunch of issues on this particular Gemara, so we're going to talk about some of those issues. Okay, but before we do, I just want to acknowledge our sponsors. So, you know, while, while we're thanking Hashem for, for reminding us about His involvement in the world right now, we're also going to thank the sponsors that um, enable this podcast and the Harbatzis Torah that takes place with it. So thank you once again to Yona and Connie Laster and to Yaakov and Yafa Landau on generous sponsorships for multiple episodes. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. And if anyone else wants to sponsor, just reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. And you can offer your sponsorship today. Okay. So let's talk about this uh, about this sugya. What exactly, um, what exactly is this? Does the Gemara have to say about about Makas Tzvardeya, the frogs that went all over the place? That they went in the bedrooms and the bathrooms and the kitchens and even the ovens, and of course, so many frogs that they even made it onto our daft today. So the Gemara tells us about a lesson that three individuals in the time of Daniel. So the, their names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And these three were colleagues of Daniel, very holy individuals. And the Gemara tells us that these three individuals, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they actually had a judgment call to make at the time when Nebuchadnezzar was commanding that everyone bow down to his, his statue. So they decided to, to derive a Kal v'chomer, a fortiori argument, which perhaps is a translation that does not really help us, because if you don't know what a kavachomer is, you likely don't know what a fortiori argument is either. But all of that said, um, you know what, I'll actually, I'll, I'll show you the Gemara inside. But again, the, the question that they, that they were tending to, um, they, 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 they need to make a judgment call, they needed um, a, a quick halachic answer, and so again, Nebuchadnezzar was commanding that everyone bow down to his statue. And 
the Mephoshim tell us that actually Daniel fled the scene, which is going to be important for one of the answers to the main question on this Gemara. But they had to decide, are we going to bow down to that statue or are we going to be thrown into the fiery furnace, which again is the penalty from Nebuchadnezzar if you don't listen. This story can be found actually in Tanakh, in Sefer Daniel, in the third parak of Sefer Daniel, you have this story, if you want to see it in depth, it's an incredible story. And, you know, we actually know of another individual um, from our tradition who was thrown to a fiery furnace based on something he would not do, or at least um, a belief that he would not um, forego, um, and that was Avraham Avinu. And even though the Mepharshim, uh, to my mind, don't address this question as much, but we'll see, uh, you know, we're going to come back to that in a second, Right, that, that story about Avraham Avinu is not recorded in Tanakh. But what does any of this have to do with the frogs? So, okay, one moment, we're getting to it. So the, the, the teaching comes from Todos Ishromi. So he um, taught the following tradition. Okay? He says, Ma ra'u Hananya Mishal What did Hananya um, Mishal Azariah see? Shemasur Atzman al-Kadish HaShem. That they gave themselves over for Kiddush HaShem, L'Kivshana Eish, to the fiery furnace. So Nasu Kavachomer Baatzman Mitzvardim. They raised for themselves a Kavachomer, they derived a Kavachomer uh, regarding themselves from the frogs of our parsha. And just like the, the frogs that are not obligated in Kiddush Hashem, sanctification of God's name, it's written regarding them. So they went even into the ovens. So, so then they, um, they say, So, Emesai Misharos, Mitsuvis, Eitzel Tanur, Have Omer, Bisha'a, Shahatanur, Cham, Unimishimitsuvan, Akdishas Hashem, Alachas Kama Vakama. So, the fact that the frogs, they went into the fiery furnaces for Kiddush Hashem, so we're going to do the same thing. Now, there are a lot of questions that are, that are asked in this Gemara, and there, you know, there are Shiurim. And there are, again, entire sugyos that are based on this particular story in the Gemara that they said, if the frogs jumped into the fire, we're going to jump into the fire too. So one question that I have not seen myself, but I'm not saying no one asks this question, but why are they only deriving their inspiration? Yet says, Maro, what do they see? And I'll make the argument that it wasn't just a matter of inspiration, you know, um, because once again, we'll see one, um, well, we'll see that. It's a, uh, inspiration isn't enough to make you do this. Rechananya, Mishal, Azariah, and Azariah were at Sadiqim. So if they thought this was the right thing, they, they wouldn't have needed a frog to tell them to do this. Right? It, it, would, it would have just been a matter of, if they know this is the right thing, then they're going to do it. So this story from the Gemara might be inspiring to you, but it has to be strange on a couple of levels. First of all, once again, they... they, they it sounds more like they pask in the halacha for themselves based on the self-sacrifice of the frogs. And yes, they volunteered their lives, which, you know, um, you know, might be inspiring. They didn't bow to the statue. But it's very, very odd. Like, can we make rulings based on frogs like this? Maybe we can't, but maybe only people like Hananya, Azari, Michelle can. But really, um, what, what permitted them to do such a thing? And... We can ask the question in more than one way. We can say, and um, one way is, if they were halachically obligated to give their lives over and to jump into the fire, so who needs the frogs to teach such a lesson? 
Question number one, or um, really, this is a mimonav shach, which means they ha- um, you could look at it, there's a question either which way you slice it. Either, if they were obligated to jump into the fire, so why do they need the frogs to teach them that? And if they weren't obligated to jump into the fire and give up their lives, so how can they possibly um, volunteer themselves just based on the frogs? Right? So again, if, if, if you're obligated to do it, who needs the frogs? And if you're not obligated to do it, who says the frogs permit you to jump into the fire? So maybe for that second part, Chananya Azari Michel had to, had to um, again, make this judgment call. Maybe only they could have made such a call. But what, in fact, did they learn from the frogs? And there's a... So we're, we're going to get into the halachic aspects. We're going to see some of the different sources. And I'll say that this, this particular topic is a shear that I've heard more than once. Um, Baruch Hashem, I was zocha to hear it from Rabbi Shalom Rosner. Um, I was zocha to hear it from Rav Yonas and Sachs. I think I might have even been zocha to hear it from Rav Eliak and Konigsberg. So three of my Rebbeim for life. Um, and for sure I heard it from two of them. Um, and um, in Rabbi Rosner's Dafyomi shear, he addresses this question. But I, um, when, um, in the larger topic of Yaharig Val Yavar, in the mitzvah of Kiddush Hashem, so these were a shiurim that I, that, I, that, I, that I heard from, again, from multiple rabbayim, and they all quote this particular Gemara. So we're going to address the sources on this Gemara. One question that I did not see, um, and I, I skipped over this before, I didn't see anyone ask the question of why didn't they just learn from Avraham Avinu? Right? You, you can choose to derive your inspiration from... Uh, from a frog, or your ancestor, your own forefather, the, one of the holiest people who ever existed, Avram Avinu. And maybe you could say, oh, well, you know what, maybe they felt they weren't on the level of Avram Avinu, and they, you know, they, they couldn't do it, but once they saw a frog do it, okay, so then now they, they mustered up the courage for that. But again, I argue that um, if there was something that they had to do, they wouldn't have needed inspiration. They would have just done it because these are tzaddikim. Or maybe you and I can, you know, we, we, can, we can use a booster from a frog, um, but they couldn't. I mean, or not that they couldn't, but they, they didn't need that. So we have to address that question. Another question, um, the, uh, this question, Rabbi Rosner quotes just Bashem the Bali Muster, that a lot of people ask the question, um, frogs don't even have free choice. So if Hashem commanded them to, of course they have to jump in. And, you know, the, the fact that they argue, oh, frogs aren't even chayv in, in Kiddush Hashem, but they are chayv to listen to Hashem. Hashem makes um, creation go in whatever direction Hashem wants it to go in. And if that's the case, then in a certain sense, the frogs were commanded. So, Bali Musar say that, yeah, any, any of the frogs, you know, Hashem didn't command any individual frog to jump into the fire, and necessarily Hashem commanded that there's a plague, the frogs will be all over the place. So, the fact that certain frogs ended up going in, even though it wasn't, their, it wasn't necessarily their individual mission, so that's where Hananya, Mishal, and Azariah um, took the message from. So, that's, you know, that, that, that's an answer if that helps inspire you, but we want to know, um, at least what, what I want to know, is not just what inspired Hananya, Mishal, and Azariah, uh, because we're assuming that it was more than just inspiration. We want to know what gave them the allowance and perhaps the obligation to do such a thing. So in terms of um, Avram Avinu, why didn't they learn from Avram Avinu? So you could say you know, that they, they wanted a source in Scripture, something as simple as that. And again, this is what we're assuming now. We're, we're, we're taking for granted that Avraham, in fact, went into a fiery furnace. This is what various Midrashim say. There are allusions to it in, in Tanakh, but it's nowhere explicit. Um, but 
um, the Ramban, just you should know, the Ramban says that even non-Jewish um, books from, you know, from, from a long time ago, from ancient times, they have some sources that talk about the story of Avram Avinu being thrown to some kind of prison or furnace. The Rambam, who, who, who suggests, I think in Moran Avuchim, that, that Avram wasn't necessarily thrown to a furnace, but everyone agrees that he rebelled against the king and that he was thrown into a, some kind of dungeon or prison for it. And maybe fiery furnace could um, possibly be metaphorical, but we're going to take for granted what our tradition says plainly, that there was a midrash that in fact Avram was thrown to a fiery furnace, which is a story that perhaps even non-Jewish sources agreed um, that um, happened historically. So maybe Hananya, Mishael, and Azaria did not want to derive anything from Avram Vinu, um, who, did, who did things um, that were, were not recorded in the Torah, and they wanted some kind of source in the Torah. And so we see that the, that the frogs, they were at least in the Torah. You might also say what some Mepharshim say regarding Avram Avinu. So these Mepharshim I don't have in front of me now, but um, there, there are Shurim. I think I heard these from Rabbi Rosner too. But you could, um, you, if, if you want the sources, I could try to find the sources for you. But there are sources that suggest that maybe halachically what Avraham did was not appropriate. And Avraham was obviously not bound by the Torah. And even though, as we said in our Parsha um, panel, the first one, Ambarashas, about the Torah observance of the Avos, that the Avos did indeed keep the Torah um, as much as they, you know, you know, as much as they could, as much as it was relevant to them. But as the Nefesh Chaim that I quoted in the Parsha panel um, explains, that since they were not bound by the Torah, wherever um, they saw it fitting to not keep to the rules of the Torah for whatever tikkunim, whatever spiritual tikkunim they were trying to create in the world. So they obviously had that, that liberty and perhaps the obligation to do so, to not do what the Torah says. So it could be um, what Avraham did in his particular situation which, in which he was not really required to give his life up necessarily. Um, he wasn't, and for example, I don't, I don't believe in that midrash he was commanded to, to specifically to engage in Avodah Zarah, to bow down to an Avodah Zarah. So Avraham wasn't necessarily commanded such a thing. It could be he wasn't supposed to, and that's why the story, that could be why the story is not even recorded in the, in the Torah. There are plenty of Mepharshim that address why the story of Avraham in the furnace is not in the Torah, but it could be one of those reasons that's given is that in, their, in, in, in his specific position, he was not supposed to necessarily, or maybe wasn't at least required to, and Hanan and Mishal Nazari needed a, needed a more concrete source. So now we're going to get to exactly what, what that is. So the way Tosfos um, phrases the question, we'll look at Tosfos right now, Tosfos is the first big source we're going to see, and he addresses the question as follows. He says, V'kasha dehav First of all, they were in public, their, their, their deed um, um, to, um, you know, whether or not they were going to bow to this statue, they, this is public. And it says in the Gemara Sanhedrin, Everyone agrees that even on a little mitzvah. And Tosfos seems to at first be running under the assumption that what they were being told to do was to bow down to an Avodah Zarah. And there, there are two um, answers, two big answers that Tosfos gives to this question. And the first, the first answer that Tosfos quotes is B'Shem the Rabbeinu Tam. And the Tam basically says, Ditzelem Zel, just not basically, this is exactly what he says, Ditzelem Zel Sha'asa Nivuchanetzar, Lavurazara, Hava, Ella, Indarta Sha'asa Lechvoratzmo. And he goes on to explain that this was, again, this was not an Avodazara. This statue, which um, really was a statue that had the likeness of Nivuchanetzar, it was made specifically for the honor of the king, um, not to assume that he was a god, but that he was the king. And in fact, it is 
technically appropriate to ascribe honor to the king. We know that people bowed to kings. And if that was the purpose of this statue, it could be that they were not, in fact, required to give up their lives for this. And yet, somehow, they, 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 they saw it was appropriate. And how did they know? They knew from the frogs, right, that, that the frogs aren't even have to make a Kiddush Hashem. And even though Nebuchadnezzar is not asking us to do something that's, that's you know, a Vodazara, but at the time where Nebuchadnezzar was, um, this was the Babylonian exile after all, and Nebuchadnezzar had taken things from the base of Migdash, and this was a time of, um, of a persecution of sorts. So at this particular moment in time, they saw that it was not appropriate to, to grant such obedience, perhaps, to Nebuchadnezzar, such, such um, you know, unbridled honor. And so they said, we're going to actually volunteer. We're going to engage in this Kiddush Hashem because frogs, which don't have Kiddush Hashem, they jumped into the fire and we're going to do the same thing. And they actually went ahead and they volunteered. They volunteered their lives. Okay, so that's, that's the Rebbeinu Tam. Now, obviously, um, we, we can learn a lot from this Rebbeinu Tam. Uh, but that's, so that, that's the, um, that's what Tosos quotes Peshim the Rebbeinu Tam. Now, the... Other famous answer, obviously he's arguing with Rabbeinu Tam, Tosus quotes the Re. And what does the Re say? So let's fast forward to the Re. Says the Re. The Re Mitharish. The Re explains, Ma Barcho. He says, What did they see that they didn't run away? Share Kodama Maisa. Before the, the deed happened, where they were about to be, you know, where they were put on trial, are you going to bow or are you going to be thrown to the fire? They would have been able to run away. Like Daniel did. Like it says in the Goran Sanhedrin, So, um, and basically, they could have taken the high road. And guess what? We, Daniel did it and it would have been fine. So, and, you know, a question that I don't have the answer to right now is if they were able to run, so why didn't they? Were, were they any holier than Daniel? So that's a fair question. You know, we see that there are apparently two options. You could have run away or you could have stayed and jumped into the fire. And they together, you know, I guess um, without Daniel, they came to this conclusion, says the Re, very incredibly, that even though Yachal of Ruch, they were able to run away. So, you know, and... and and since they're able to run away, so meaning the Re is not saying that this wasn't a Vodazara. You know, when, when you're caught and you have nowhere to go, so of course they were going to bow. They wanted to know, well, how do we know that we don't need to take the high road and run away, but we can stay, we could stay for the action and stay for the fire, right? So, um, you know, they could, they could stay for the barbecue. So how did they know that they can stay and put themselves into the position of someone who's going to be chayiv to give up their lives, so that they derived from, from uh, the frogs. And in fact, there's a Shvos Yaakov that's quoted in the Pesachet Shuvah that has an incredible, tragic um, um, halacha question um, um, uh, that came up about a massacre, and the people of the time wanted to know if they were able to stay instead of run away. And the, the Shavos Yaakov Paskin, based on this re, that if you want to stay and you want to fight the fight and die al Kiddush Hashem, so the Shavos Yaakov said, based on this re, that in fact they were allowed to. So this was, and again, this is to die al Kiddush Hashem. So what we see from here, apparently, 
is that you have the right to opt in. You can confront for the purposes of Messias Nefesh, and this is apparently Amias Chasidus. You're not, you meaning you're not chayev to stay in the situation where you're going to have to give up your life on Kiddush Hashem, but there's apparently, on some level, due to uh, the midst of Kiddush Hashem, there's Amias Chasidus to do this Kiddush Hashem, which is really incredible to think about. Um, the Rebbeinu David explains that during a Shemad, right, during, a, during, a, during a persecution, you can avoid, you don't have to stay around for the fire, you don't have to stay for the action. But from the re, we see that apparently you can. So, so, so you, you, I mean, yeah, um, you, in other words, you, you can do either or. And there might even be a, a, a reason, a push from the frogs. We learn that you could stick around and, and, and do what you have to do. And again, you can say the argument for the frogs is that the frogs could have chosen another area to go to. They didn't have to go specifically into the oven or individual frogs didn't have to go into the oven. They said, we're going to go into the oven. So, the truth is that um, the truth is both of these mafarshim and Tosfos bring to the floor an incredible revelation about about opting to to give up your life. Right, this Rebbeinu Tam and Tosfos, for example, is very much against a Rambam because the, the Rambam says that anyone. Because again, what did the Rebbeinu Tam say? The Rebbeinu Tam says this wasn't. A case of a particular um, avera that was a vodazar b'farhesi or anything like that. So, and yet they, they they chose to give up their lives. Now we know that there's another. There's a um, you know it's not like you know, there's just a matter of um, certain averos require you to kill yourselves and not do them. There's another value, right? You know why can't I just decide to to jump into the ocean right now and kill myself? The reason I can't is because there's a chibn Torah called v'chayvahem. I am not allowed to kill myself. It's not just v'chayvahem. The v'chayvahem is just for the mitzvahs in general. And normally I'm supposed to live and do the mitzvahs and not die for most mitzvahs. Um, there happens to be another, um, the, 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 the source for not committing suicide actually appears in Parshas Noah, where Hashem says, I'm going to come seek the blood of anyone who takes another person's blood, but the, there's a drusha that implies even if man would take his own blood. <coughs> but for, for mitzvahs in general, you can't just commit suicide for a mitzvah, you know, um, you know, if, unless it's in a, in a time of persecution, right? We know that during Shas Hashemad, um, so even, even a mitzvah kala, like Tosva says, you have to give up your life for. But in the, um, apparently, in the circumstance that they were in, apparently it wasn't um, exactly the same as a Shas Hashmad, and or at least not on the same level. And the, and according to the Rambam, if you give up your life in a in a time where you don't have to, so then the Rambam's lashon is that you're mischayef v'nafsho. If you give up your life when you're not supposed to, you're actually th- th- that is a life sentence. And that means you're taking all the, uh, you know, you, you're, it, 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 it is suicide, and it is usser, to the degree that if we, you were still alive, we would have killed you, um, you know, with capital, with a capital offense. Obviously, if you kill yourself, so how can you be chayv misa? But the point is that that's the level of, of, of a sentence that you would have on your own, on your own soul. So the Rambam is clearly uh, is, is, is not on board for, for doing such a thing. You can't just volunteer unless it's your well yavor. So... The Mishnah Lamelech just comments that, um, and he just to explain Tosvos's shitos that Tosvos brings down. For example, um, you know the, the Rabbeinu Tam and the Re. So the Mishnah Lamelech explains that one can volunteer his life in one of these situations, but only he says even Tosvos would agree 
that, that's only if the guy's intention is for us to violate our religion. If, if, if the guy is trying to get us to violate the Torah, not just that the guy you know, wants something for himself, but if the guy wants us to violate the Torah, then you, you know, then then you would have to. Uh, so then, then you can stick around for the action, or then you can volunteer. You know, even one of these minor mitzvos. But, but the point is that the Rambam is on the other is, is on the other side of this conversation. Now, there's actually a a, a tshuva from the Radvaz, um, and this is um, you can find this in Chelak Gimel and in Simin. Um, tough Mem Dalad. It's also in Chelek Dalad in Simin Samach Zayin. But the story, um, the case of a Cholem Sukan, right? Right now we're talking about doing Kiddush Hashem. That someone's trying to make you violate the Torah, so you're supposed to let, allow your life to be taken instead in certain circumstances. But um, you know, not just any random circumstance. However, the Radvaz um, describes the case of a Cholem Sukan, someone who is sick and he's deathly ill. Um, or at least he's in a circumstance, not, not necessarily that he's deathly ill, but he's, he's ill in a dire way that if he doesn't get what he needs, so he can die. So they talk about, for example, um, in, in such a case, it's a case of pikuach nefesh, and let's say he needs to violate the Torah to save his life. So you can't, says the Radvaz, you can't just um, give up your life to, to keep the Torah if it's if it's a case where you're sick and then then you're going to die, it's one thing if there's a persecution and a guy and a guy is targeting your life. But you can't just volunteer. He says this says the Radvaz, That's called a chassid shota, which is a great topic in its own right. A foolish, pious person. He says it's foolish piety. It's not real piety. And then the Radvaz says, now what about the case of the Riva, the famous case of the Riva? Uh, what did the Riva do? The Riva made a special Yom Kippur sacrifice. It was his own life. Um, that what did he do? He um, he had the, you know, you know, he was sick, and he decided nonetheless to not eat on Yom Kippur, and he died. So the Radvaz explains that the Riva was not paskining a, a um, against this halacha, but the Riva knew that even if he ate, he was going to die anyway. And so, as long as the eating was not going to impact whether or not he was going to live or die, says the Radvaz, that's why the Riva ultimately ate on Yom, uh, did not eat on Yom Kippur. So. So that, 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 that's how the Radvaz explains. But otherwise, you can't just volunteer your own life. Now, the Shita Mikubetzes quotes B'Shem the Ra'ah that the reason why, coming back to the story of Hanani, Azariah, and Mishal, was that since there was a public perception of Avodah Zarah, he says that's why they specifically um, um, saw a, a need to, to act. Right? Because maybe if it wasn't real Avodah Zarah, they wouldn't have um, been allowed to do this. But... Um, since it looked like a Vodazara, they needed some source that would have allowed them to volunteer their lives for the purposes of Kiddush Hashem to avoid the perception of a Vodazara, and that they derived from the frogs. And just coming back to the sheets of the Rambam, the Nemuka Yosef explains that even though the Rambam, who says you're Meschayev Benafsha, you're Chayev for your soul, um, if you would give up your life and volunteer in a place where, in a circumstance where you're not supposed to. So he says even the Rambam must admit that sometimes one can volunteer because there are so many Midrashim that have cases where a person seems to volunteer their life when it's not one of the big three Averos, Avodazara, Gileraios, Shvichas Damim, right? Um, um, idolatry, um, murder, um, and, and, um, or um, uh, the last one is murder. The one before that is a sexual morality, like adultery. 
And one of the Midrashim that the Namuki Yosef quotes is our Midrash right here in the Gemara Anun Gimel in Psachim about what Hananiah and Mishal Zariah learned from the frogs. Anyway, there's a whole larger conversation that emerges from this um, about, um, you know, there are other Gemaras that talk about Esther, um, Esther Hamalka going into Achashverosh for relations. How can she have been allowed to do that? And Abaye says that it was okay because of Karka Olam, that basically she wasn't an active party. And, the, and Rava argues that, no, the reason why this was okay was because of Hanos Atzmo. And this this is a very uh, you know this this is a very big issue, right? He says the Hanas Asma, Why was Esther Malka able to give uh, to go into the Achashverosh? Shouldn't she have given up her life? And Rava's answer is Hanas Atzmo. He wasn't doing it to make her violate the Torah. He was doing it because he wanted pleasure from her. And there says Rava, it's okay. So this is a, a huge question because does that mean you're allowed to do Gilei Arayos? It's one of the big three. You're allowed to do Gilei Arayos just because he's doing it for his own pleasure. So. So the Balmaor says, apparently, yes. He says, even for the big three, this is the Balmaor's incredible um, ex, um, you know, revelation from this Gemara. He says that we see from Rava that even for the big three Averos, you're, you're able to, to, you know, if it's just for a person's own individual Hana, um, that, that, that you're allowed. And he, in fact, derives from another halacha that's quoted in the same Gemara uh, regarding the case of Kavunki de Avoniki, which has to, which um, seems to have been connected to Avodazara. There was something done for Avodazara, and he says, look, they're doing it for their own Hana, and that was allowed, because apparently that, that was why they were doing it in the context of that Gemara. So the Ramban in the Milchamos, he argues um, vehemently against the Bamor. He says, no. He says, for the big three of Eros, you can't just do them just because a person wants their own individual hana from it. And he says, what Esther was doing with Achashverosh was not called Gilei Arayos. That's Bias Akum. Relations with an Akum is not considered relations in, in Halacha. Um, um, it doesn't make it mutter, per se. It's still an Avera, but it's, it's a different Avera. But it's not the Avera of Gilei Arayos. And not only that, the... The, um, so the question is maybe the, what about Lifnei Iver if you're, you're going to assist them in Avodazara? So Lifnei Iver of the Big Three Averos says the Ramban is actually not um, considered on the same level of the Big Three Averos itself. A separate, a whole separate conversation about the sugya of Lifnei Iver um, causing someone else to falter and stumble. So, um, you know, if we had more time, I would get into um, this a larger conversation about the Big Three Averos. Um, about whether or not the intent matters, right? The, um, does it matter um, if um, um, if the person wants you to um, if the person wants you to do it for the reasons of violating the Torah, or he has his own reasons, right? Because for that particular question, so the Ramach and the Ramban are clearly of the opinion that intent does not matter, right? It's not just a matter of, oh, Kiddush Hashem, you know, it's a nice thing to do, you should do a Kiddush Hashem. But the big three of Eros are intrinsically so so, so evil that, that they cannot be committed, um, it doesn't matter what the intention is. Clearly, the Balma Or is assuming that it's all a function of Kiddush Hashem, and therefore, if it's not for the purposes of violating the Torah that they want you to do the Savera, so there's no, uh, there's no um, elevated level of Kiddush Hashem. Um, and th- th- there's plenty more that could be said here, but we'll, we'll, we'll finish with this, well, with this concept that we see here that 
you know, you, you, can, you can draw inspiration from frogs, but there's much more beneath the surface about this incredible, um, this incredible revelation of what Kiddush Hashem might demand or even allow of us in various situations. Anyway, that's all the time we have left for this Real Talk Torah. In the meantime, keep it real, keep talking, and most importantly, keep the Torah. Thanks for joining us here at the Database.